the number one hottest book in the world, and I don't even think people should buy it right now. Thank God I have it now. I said, I'm glad I took a shower today. Comic fam, the alarm just went off. We had been filming for a couple seconds, but we're back. We had to sprint back to the table because one of the hottest books in the world, I don't think you should be buying right now. Number 10 on the list, Incredible Hulk, number 271. This is the second appearance, but first cover appearance of fan favorite Rocket Raccoon. We know the new Guardians of the Galaxy, this was absolutely going to be on the list. And at number 10, it's a fitting place. We are seeing $215 average sales and a recent high sale of a CGC 9.8 for $1,131. Hit the like, slap the subscribe button. We're here every seven days covering the most popular comic books in the world. Seeing this book on the list, indeed, does make sense. We've actually seen a lot of rocket keys start to spike as we approach Guardians of the Galaxy 3, which is premiering this weekend, today, the day of this filming. So we're going to leave the spoilers online, not bring them to the mic here, because these sales took place prior to the release of the movie. I think this book shooting up much more than it has is going to be completely dependent on whether or not he even lives to see the end of the movie. That's a good point. The movie's out right now, so if any of you have seen this, uh, keep your mouth shut. Leave the comments, like, spoiler-free, Tom and myself, and I think Russ, I don't think any of us are making time to see this right away, so no spoilers. Jem Mitt and myself talked Jim about Mitt. this book just three weeks ago. Since then, there's been an increase of 39 copies added to the CGC census. The heights this book reached was last year, June, when it sold for $2,100. Now, regardless of if he does survive Guardians of the Galaxy 3, it took five years considering pandemic was in the middle of that. It just tells you how long sometimes it takes for these characters to come back to the screen. I think the lulls are just the beginning. There may be a better time to scoop this book up. We've got a 133% increase in copies sold of this book compared to last week. And speaking of last week, we just got confirmation that actress Linda Cardellini is going to be doing the voice for Lila, who also first appears in this issue. Now, this has been a long wait between these Marvel movie projects, but it seems like MCU is back on track, especially because we are only five weeks away from Secret Invasion coming out on Disney+. I will say if you're looking for some rocket keys to purchase, my favorite is Rocket Raccoon number one. First in his own solo series, cover art done by the king of negative space. My favorite artist of all time, Mike Mignola, at the list, at number nine. Flash 792. This book came out a few months ago. The first appearance of Wade. It is still a new comic book, and we don't quite know his full identity, and more is probably going to be revealed. But really, guys, at a $4 book with $5 highs, I really think you should be looking at the 1 in 25 Scott Collins variant, or maybe even the 1 in 50 foil variant, which is the same art as cover number A. Both of those are selling for almost nothing. We are seeing the 1 in 25s go in the 10 to $15 range. That's crazy low. If there are incentive variants available, and the cover a is starting to spike. Consider this. You get your hands on a 1 in 25 for, let's say, double cover price of cover A. That means that 25 copies were created to that one 1 in 25. Same with the 1 in 50, but with a higher number. And by the way, that's a foil version. We're seeing a 300% increase in copies sold of this book week over week. And this is part of the One Minute War storyline in the Flash comic that just wrapped up. I'm not reading The Flash, so I had to do a little bit of research on this storyline, but it sounds cool, and I actually really want to read this run now. It's done by Jeremy Adams, who is wrapping up his run in a few issues here with issue 800. He's actually going to be writing Green Lantern. How do you feel about that? I'm excited. Uh, I had not heard of Jeremy Adams before figuring out that he was taking on Green Lantern, but I heard all of the love people gave him for this Flash run, and if uh, people really love that Flash run, uh, I'm excited, especially when you consider the last time you had a really, really popular Flash writer move over to Green Lantern. That was Jeff Johns, and look how that turned out. 
Linda Park has been pregnant this entire run. We do get introduced to a speedster named Wade, who's kind of taking a play from the Marvel books with Spider-Boy. He exists. He's a new speedster people want to spec on, but his identity has yet to be revealed. With Jeremy wrapping this run up, it's likely we're going to get a reveal. Is he potentially Linda's son? Maybe from the future? Well, that's why people are specking on this book. Yeah, Linda was pregnant during this whole one-minute war storyline, and she meets Wade, and she goes, huh, that's that's Wally's uncle's name. That's a weird coincidence. And we also know, during uh, based on solicitations for upcoming issues, that before Jeremy Adams' run ends in issue 800, she will give birth to this child. So it seems likely that that's probably going to end up being Wade. Real question. Did Mark Bagley accidentally draw two left feet at the list at number eight? Spider-Man number eight from 2023. $8 average sales, high raw sales for $25. This book just came out because it's the second appearance of Spider-Boy. We were kind of just talking about this character. The foreshadowing. Mark Bagley gets a lifetime pass from me because of Ultimate Spider-Man. So he can draw two left feet. He could draw four hands for all I care. But it's a cool cover anyway. And there are a few other open order variants for this issue as well. We looked. We didn't see any ratio variants, but... Who cares? Because this uh, Rob Liefeld Secret Wars homage cover is the one that people really want. So this was brand new this week, and it was a trifecta of amazing covers with Bagley and Liefeld and rounding out with Umberto Ramos doing cover C. All amazing covers, and we were seeing three packs of these go in the $40 to $45 range. Even if there wasn't a ratio variant, this book is hot, and a lot of people were specking on it. The success of Spider-Man number seven, first Spider-Boy, has trickled over to the second appearance because it's still selling so well. Seeing this book go for double cover price, members taking a little bit of a gamble probably for just high-graded copies at the $20 mark. It makes sense to me, but keep an eye out for the June 21st release of Edge of Spider-Verse number three. We keep telling you this is being solicited as the origin story. I'm hoping we get a big reveal. His origin story comes out in Edge of Spider-Verse number three in June, but here in this issue, in his second appearance, we get a glimpse of his powers. Uh, It doesn't appear that he can swing. It doesn't appear that he has web shooters. He's more like just hopping from building to building. And he's also got this weird kind of like psychic connection to Peter Parker, which is not creepy in any way. And I can't see potentially backfiring at all in the future if he potentially turns into like a chasm sort of villain in the future. Number eight is going to second print already. They're making a one in 25 variant for that as well. Keep an eye out on this character. The comic community is too. Most of you guys know I own a local comic shop and I use the Key Collector app every single week when helping me to decide what to sell and what to look for. And we use it all the time because we have to bring it to the table like we have every single week for the last five years on the Trending 10 video. Utilize Code Tom 101. This unlocks a free two-week subscription of the app and you get access to things like Key Alerts. Had you had access to the app, you would have known back in 2021 that Philavel was announced to be for sure in Guardians of the Galaxy 3, which is why Philavel has been spiking since then. And that was a key collector inside scoop. It wasn't deadline. It wasn't variety. It was for a comic community. That's why this news broke. That's why here at number seven, we're talking about Captain Marvel number 17 from 2004, the first appearance of Philavel, the first full appearance of Philavel. Now, first off, you never know. Things could be left on the edit room floor. We do have the first appearance of Philavel seeing $65 average sales. A high 9.8 hit $299. The heights this book reached was $595 back in 2021. Steep drops, but we're going to find out this weekend if this spec was smart. 
So Phylavelle is the clone daughter of Captain Marvel, and with the Marvels movie coming out, we are seeing a lot of speculation about her showing up. It's a 186% increase in copies sold this week. Okay, that's fine. We have a movie coming up, and we have a movie that's coming out this weekend. But what the heck is this next book doing on the list? Number six, Infinity Gauntlet number one? What? Real story, at Vegas, going up to my room at the end of the night, and you know who walks right into that elevator? Jim freaking Starlin. Happened, and I got to talk to him for a little bit because he's been on the show before. I digress. No, I'm with you. What the heck is Infinity Gauntlet number one doing on this list? Not only is Infinity Gauntlet number one on here, but Silver Surfer number 44 is also on the wider Key Collector Trending 20, which you do have to check out on the Key Collector app. There are two different Infinity Gauntlet-related keys, specifically the Gauntlet itself, keys, on the list. For what I can tell, is no reason whatsoever. We have $20 average sales, $300 for a CGC 9.8. Newsstands are hitting $552 for that same grade. This is a book that recently sold for like $150 on average and maybe just over $100 because Infinity Gauntlet's done, right? Endgame and Thanos. You guys all remember all that? I do think that this book will permanently have that status, however, at 100 bucks. Everyone's going to buy it. So keeping it around that $150 seems safe. But seeing it trend 115% in copies sold tells us something is being specced upon. We do have Secret Wars. We do have incursions happening, different timelines, different characters, all reality characters. Could we see a reprisal of the role of Thanos? Could we see the Infinity Gauntlet possibly needing to be utilized to stop whatever's coming from all the incursions? Well, if you look back at, like, what if, we did see a bunch of different versions of Thanos and the Infinity Gauntlet and the Infinity Stones. We saw the whole drawer full of Infinity Stones in that episode of Loki. Uh, we've also, like Tom mentioned, we got the incursions, which is all a whole big thing from Jonathan Hickman's New Avengers, Avengers Secret Wars era of Marvel Comics, where it dealt with universes colliding in on each other, which we did get a glimpse of in the last Doctor Strange movie. It seems like they are building towards that for Avengers Secret Wars. Perhaps we'll get the uh, the on-screen MCU Avengers trying to use an alternate universe Infinity Gauntlet to prevent the incursions, just like we saw Captain America do in the New Avengers run by Jonathan Hickman. Could you imagine if we start to see Chris Evans rumors start to circulate it's going to point to infinity gauntlet spec it, it feels like it's like 2020 again comic fam hit the like slap the subscribe button and let me take you over to number five with transformers number one a book at a 9.8 that you could have secured for under a thousand dollars for upwards of a decade well this is selling for $160 average sales. Recent 9.8 puts it at $1580, which right now seems like a great deal. A 450% increase in copies sold this week on the release of the Transformers Rise of the Beast trailer. And this looks great, but honestly, that's you guys, Transformers, not mine. This book on the list is that the G1, the old school Transformers guys, they just love this book, and this price has been steadily creeping up. We even saw a newsstand sale for $2,913. People really want to pay for this book and the fact that so many guys my age read the heck out of this book, securing these high-grade copies is tough. Despite there being 587 copies graded at a 9.8, this is one of those books that those 9.8 collectors are keeping in their collection amongst all of their Transformer toys. This book is not easy to come by at conventions. I have looked. Yeah, if you think about it, this book is a lot like, uh, we've talked about Star Wars, number one, a lot recently, and just like that book, I think it's reached uh, a certain floor, and I don't think it's going to go below a 1,000 anytime soon. 
if you look at this new Transformers movie, it comes out pretty soon. I'm pretty excited. I'm a giant Beast Wars kid. Uh, this is the seventh live-action Transformers movie, and yeah, uh, you guys, you guys got enough. You guys had enough of the old, the old Optimus Prime and Bumblebee yeah. stuff. There were five main Transformers movies, all directed by Michael Bay, and then they did the uh, Bumblebee spinoff slash prequel. This movie, Rise of the Beast, is going to be a sequel to the Bumblebee movie, so it's slightly removed. It's still a prequel to the original Transformers films. Hopefully it's a lot better than those because I haven't watched one of these since like the second movie, but I am going to this one in the movie theater. There's a 30-year nostalgia cycle that is absolutely at play here. 90s kids are going to be going to see this movie. I'm more hyped about Transformers than I have been in years. And take a look at Whatnot Publishing's brand new run called Astrobots. It's got some Crashdown vibes in it. It's a little like Crashdown mixed with Transformers, not going to lie. There's a whole repopulating of a planet element in here, except with robots. So thankfully, it's not too close to Crashdown, but it, it is similar. Astrobots is going to scratch the itch of a brand new Transformers-like narrative. Pick that up through Whatnot Publishing. And if you're looking for a Transformers homage, that Spider-Man booth has you covered. Shout out to JPG and Steve, the creators of Ninja Funk, man in the station over at that Spider-Man booth. Speaking of shout outs, we're moving on to number four. And I want to give a special shout out to writer Charles Soule who uh, is goldballing quite a bit of old retro Star Wars characters in his new Star Wars issue here on the list, Star Wars number 34. We haven't discussed the term goldballing in a couple years. We should probably introduce that Explain term to that all means. the new members, right? Do we have the t-shirt still? We don't, but we have to redesign it now because okay. now I'm thinking about goldballing so much. Now, this was a term that I created brilliantly on the show that references the mutant named Goldballs. Back when Jonathan Hickman was writing House of X, this character became a pivotal plot point. The balls that he shoots out of his chest were eggs. Yeah, back when Bendis wrote X-Men, he made this weird character named Goldballs who just shot out golden balls out of his body and it didn't really do a whole lot. And then Jonathan Hickman pulled him out of continuity after years of being a joke and made it so that those gold balls were actually eggs that were used as part of the X-Men's resurrection protocol during the Hickman run. Very, very important character who used to be a joke. So now that is why we uh, coined the term goldballing. And don't get that confused with retconning. It's kind of part of the same tree of life, but is definitely a different term. Add it to the dictionary. So now that we've explained all of that, back to number four on the list, if you've forgotten, it's Star Wars number 34. Brand new this week, $20 average sales, raw sales upwards of $75, because it's the first cameo appearance of Dr. Kuwata. This was a character introduced in the Star Wars novels that was left to be. And then recently in the comic books, we're finding out narratives that take place between the original trilogies, specifically between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Basically, if you've seen Empire Strikes Back, you remember in that movie, Luke Skywalker had a blue lightsaber. But when he found out Darth Vader was his father, sorry, spoilers, I guess, for a bajillion year old movie. Darth Vader cuts off Luke's hand and his hand and his lightsaber both fall down that shaft on Cloud City and they're just gone forever. Suddenly, Luke shows up in Return of the Jedi. He's got a green lightsaber out of nowhere. So now that this comic run of Star Wars by Charles Soule is taking place in between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, we are, it looks like, seeing the story of how Luke Skywalker obtains that green lightsaber. Yeah, he has like a lightsaber that he's using, but it's broken. He's got to go about trying to fix it and then realizing this is the time that he's got to make his new one. Well, this is brand new this week. We have so many different Star Wars properties pumping out comics, creating this entire world courtesy of Disney. Charles Soule showing he is an expert gold baller because he went all the way back to 2008 and pulled out the planet Christophsis, which we had not seen since an animated pilot for the Clone Wars cartoon, and brought us Dr. Kuwata, who we hadn't even heard of since a Rogue One offshoot novel. Really, this is digging deep and going to go very, very far into a super cool part of the lore that we haven't talked about before. 
I wrote a comic book with one of my best friends, Fire Guy Ryan, and it's called Crashdown, and it's in the previews guide, and there's like seven pages in there soliciting our book. Yeah, we're in here. We're in the May previews guide. Uh, FOC is June 5th to order Crashdown, which you should do. It'd be a really cool way to support the first creative work that Tom and I have ever done. It's exciting. It's a horror sci-fi with living horror legend Ben Templesmith on the art. Enjoy trailer number two. All right, people. We've had a change of plans. The good news is the company was correct in their projections. We have land. We have water. Apart from weather conditions, our scanning capabilities are extremely limited. There is intense atmospheric interference on Empyrean surface. We can't get a reading on life forms, oxygen levels, topography, anything. We're effectively blind. That looks bad. Luckily, that storm is still about a week out, but it will be strong enough to restrict travel down to the surface. We need to move now. Why not just wait out the storm? Well, luck. That brings us to the bad news. There have been multiple malfunctions with our cryopods. Some of the pods have started waking up their occupants on their own. And soon we won't have the supplies to maintain this many conscious bodies up here. While we're under cryo, we're fed via an IV solution. We don't have nearly enough solid food ready to support everyone on this ship, if we were to wake all at once. Well, how much time do we have? If we don't want to all starve to death on this ship, we need to establish a foothold down there now. You ten are some of the best in your fields. You're still going to be our first contact team. Every 48 hours, we'll send another ship full of people down to join you. I'm sure I don't need to tell you that this scenario is less than ideal. But still, it's truer now than ever. All of humanity is depending on this mission. And I know you're all the best chance that we've got. Graham, get your gear. You're joining the scout team. Whoa, wait a second. That wasn't part you're of You're all going down in a dropship first thing tomorrow. Oh, 0500 hours. We'll meet in the hangar. You're all dismissed. We're going to move on to number three on the trending 10 here. We have Fantastic Four issue number 310. This is the first time you have Miss Marvel, Sharon Ventura, transforming into the she-thing. $4 average sales, $150 for a CGC 9.8. An uptick in copies sold of 575%. I do not think anybody thought Mila Kunis may be tied to this film. She hinted that she knew the casting, and it has members thinking that they're going to gender swap the thing. And I just want to remind every single person before they lose their minds, the first three different attempts at Fantastic Four were such utter failures. You should just be excited you're getting anything at all. Considering the first three were about as popular as Meg in Family Guy, this book is going to be one that I'm not excited for people to spec on. But it's still 575% increase in copies sold on rumors. Yeah, the rumors were uh, that because Mila Kunis was spotted having lunch with Matt Shackman, the director of Fantastic Four, people put two and two together and were like, oh, she's going to be in the movie and she's going to be a female version of the thing which is a weird leap to make. She has since come out and said that's not the case. That's not true. However, she apparently does know who will be in the movie, although I would like to remind everybody that we can't really trust these actors when they deny that they are in or not in various superhero movies because that's really their only option is to deny. Margot Robbie rumors are starting to circulate that she may make the leap from Harley Quinn to Sue Storm. 
Adam Driver, Kylo Ren, may take on the role as Reed Richards. These are very interesting picks, and I'm all for it. I don't care. Bring the first Marvel family to the screen. We need it. We need it. I just don't know how I feel about those particular casting picks, but I trust I trust MCU. I trust Kevin Feige. We'll see what they do, I guess. I agree with Ryan on this one. Honestly, you can't bring too much star power to this. I think this is something that if you have an unknown or an undeveloped actor and kind of build them into the roles, you can keep them more long-term. It's really tough to say Margot Robbie's not going to do a Barbie sequel or another Harley Quinn because she's tied into being Sue Storm. This is really, really tough casting news. What do you think in the comment section below? Also, while you're down there, make sure to go to ComicTom101.com. All you need to do is sign up to our newsletter. That's how we're facilitating all show giveaways going forward because scammers were trying to infiltrate our comment section and trying to source money from our viewers. So, don't respond to any potential scammers in the comment section because if there's a giveaway winning, we're going to communicate through our email list, which you can sign up for via the website. And if you do, at the end of May, someone's getting this amazing Spider-Man 41, the first appearance of the Rhino in a freaking 5.0. So while we're already talking about Fantastic Four, number two on the list, Fantastic Four number 211, first appearance of Terex the Tamer. We're seeing $60 average sales and a high CGC 9.8 for $660. That was a heritage auction. Now, Terex is one of the heralds of Galactus and he's the destructive malevolent one, which really makes sense if he's gonna be the bad guy, but I still don't know if they're gonna use a one-shot throwaway bad guy like this on Fantastic Four if they're planning on doing more than just a single movie. If this happens, clearly this is a character that's going to be scouting out for planets because he's the herald that enjoys seeking the planets for Galactus to consume. So this is going to probably lead ties to Galactus more than spec on this character. The movie would have to be like endgame excellent to propel a no-name villain to like strong selling hype in order for this book to take off much more than it has been. The heights it reached was 1620 back in 2021. It's down upwards of $1,000. If this character is in Fantastic Four, Silver Surfer and Galactus books are the ones to spec on. We got rumors that we're going to see Terax in the Fantastic Four movie, and uh, I think that's a better play than just jumping in straight and starting with Doctor Doom or with Galactus right out the gate. I think you need to start with somebody a little smaller tier, uh, like uh, like Terax here, or maybe even like Mole Man, like in the uh, like in the first Fantastic Four issue. Uh, because you can't start with Galactus or Doctor Doom and then downgrade to somebody significantly lamer like Terax. So I think I think that could work. We are seeing a 471% increase in copies sold week over week, and I think this could be a cool character. He's got a good mix of uh, low low stakes. He's not super popular in the comics, but he is extremely powerful. He has a lot of earth stone manipulation powers, so he is a very, very powerful threat. Galactus is a being that they need to utilize similar to how they rolled out slow-burned Thanos for years. So let's see the direction that they take us because we're going to find out very soon. Hit the like, slap the subscribe button, and the number one most popular book in the world is not only trending, it's up week over week, back on the list, and I don't think you should buy it. And I seldomly say that for the hottest book in the world. Number one on the list, Sweet Tooth number one on the surprise release of season number two. This book went insane. A 540% increase in copies sold this week. We were seeing $120 average sales for raw copies. There was a bids, an auction that went all the way up to $443. People weren't even paying attention to the fact that even nine days before that, there were buy it nows for as little as $173. This is one of those books that 
yeah, it's out there, but realistically, Sweet Tooth does not have the longevity or the staying power, especially if they're only doing a third season and it's gonna be done. This book hit heights of upwards of $1,000 just a couple years ago, seeing itself for $250 so close to when it was selling for under $150 just weeks ago tells me that some members are getting that FOMO bug and I think they need to repel it just for a little bit because what you're specking on is that it's going to get the Last of Us treatment, that it's going to get the Walking Dead treatment as it pertains to value. Walking Dead creeped down Season two began midway through season two, shot up and never went back down. I don't see this happening with Sweet Tooth. It's a great show and even more excellent book. Jeff Lemire is amazing. However, season three is going to bring it to an end. The longevity combined with the Netflix release has me out. So they released the whole season two at once. So there's no slow burn on this. We're not waiting week after week to see, do they introduce a new character that happens in book number four? No, you got all the episodes and that's kind of it. And we're going to wait for another little bump when season three comes out. I think that's partly why we saw this book on the list two weeks ago when the season dropped all at once on Netflix. And then it was not on the list last week. If it was week over week, there would be hype. There would be spec. There would be people buying this book. We don't have any of that now, except it took the announcement from Netflix of season three to bring it back here all the way to number one, which is no small feat. But still, I, I doubt we'll see this again. The show's already come out. We haven't talked about it in a couple of weeks because the hype has completely died out. An increase of 540% off of news that we are going to get a third season and that it's going to be the final season tells me that it's because of the absence of the slow burn that it's all come to a head and people are aggressively speculating and feeling that FOMO bug. I'm feeling a strong hold off and I want to know your thoughts in the comment section below because if it starts trending again, you know we'll be back at the table to talk about it. As always, geek responsibly. Enough. Said. <laughs>